0: You are listening to History Man, where we walk in the footsteps of heroes and proclaim Freedom Reigns. On today's episode, we're again with Dr. Trey Dunaway, and we're talking about uh, smallpox. This is our second episode on smallpox, and today we're talking about the biggest battle of the 18th century. So welcome, Trey.
1: Thank you, Eric. Happy to be here with you again today.
0: Trey Lyman Draper, who is uh, known as one of the biggest historians of the Revolutionary War era. Uh, talked about one of Ferguson's troops. When Ferguson was going up into the mountains, Ferguson found he had a case of smallpox developing itself. And it was one of his officers who was left in a deserted house taking his favorite charger with him. And there the poor fellow died in this lonely situation. And it is said his neglected horse lingered around till he at length died also it was a long time before any of the country people would venture to visit the solitary pest house. So, as we talk about the greatest battle of the 18th century, uh, I find those, those particular uh, statement in historians' uh, works as uh, indications of just how big of a pandemic or uh, some of these diseases were in the armies of, of that conflict. But you have information or you want to tell us a little bit about smallpox and how how big it was in that that time period.
1: Well, last time we talked about how very big it was and that in the 20th century alone, there are an estimated 300 to 500 million deaths, 20th century alone. Of course, it's that big because the world population had grown, so there weren't as many people in the 18th century or in the colonies at that time, so it would be smaller, but it was still a deadly disease. It's important to understand with smallpox, there are two different types of smallpox, two variations of smallpox, just like there are a bunch of COVID viruses we are talking about the current pandemic, which is COVID-19. That's one distinct type, but with smallpox, there is variola major and variola minor. It gets a little confusing because the death rates are different. As you'd expect with variola major, the mortality is from 20 to 40% of population studies. So if you have hundred people in a room and they all get variola major, 20 to 40 of those people would die. However, if they get variola minor, they get about 1% die. And that emerged after the 18th century. It emerged around 1890. So this virus mutated, changed, and created another form. And that's, again, applicable to today where we worry about, well, how much, how much mutation variation is the COVID disease going to get but the morbidity from the morbidity in other words what happens to you when you get sick with this disease if it didn't kill you it would cause blindness from corneal ulceration and it can cause persistent skin scarring this would be the pockmarks that were universally visible in the 18th century which was good in a way, because if you had pock marks, you were not going to get smallpox and you were not going to be a carrier of smallpox. So for different military missions, say in the Revolutionary War, it would be good to know a soldier would not acquire smallpox, and which would make sure that they could fulfill their mission without the concern of getting smallpox or spreading it to other troops. But when we look at, when we look at smallpox in the New World, it came from Europe. And it came to a native population that had never seen this disease before. Does that sound vaguely familiar? With COVID-19, it had never seen the world before, which is why a lot of people get sick from it, because they do not have years and years and years, decades, generations, thousands of years of experience with having smallpox. Darwin... With survival of the fittest, if you have some degree of natural immunity, as in the same way COVID-19 does, some people hardly get sick, some people don't even get sick at all. Other people die. Why? Well, it's just depending on your immune system. But in the 18th century, if you came from a long lineage of people who had smallpox in their history for thousands of years, you were probably more resistant to the disease than you would be, say, if you were a Native American. So when smallpox came here, they have records from Plymouth, Massachusetts, and the Iroquois. Here's one of the quotes that I read from William Branford, Sickness Among the Natives. It pleased God to visit these Indians with a great sickness and such a mortality that of a thousand above, nine hundred and a half of them died, for many of them did rot above the ground for want of burial.
0: So 90%?
1: That was ninety to ninety-five percent
0: died of smallpox
1: in the Native American population, and that is what decimated the Native Americans. And
0: we saw that in South Carolina too, as they came through, um, the the Indian population was decimated. Yes, with DeSoto, who came through,
1: and if a disease uh, is endemic, in other words, it's It's everywhere, all the time. COVID-19 will be endemic one day. It will be like the common cold.
0: Describe the difference between pandemic and endemic.
1: A pandemic is a brand new introduction of an infection and and, and how it spreads. But endemic means it just goes back to its baseline level. And that can be mitigated through vaccinations when that's developed. And I'm sure it will be developed. The question is when, not so much if. Uh, so but it will become endemic, so people will get it. But a thousand years from now no one's gonna be bothered by COVID because the world's population will have grown a thousand years in the face of this virus, so it will kill the weak and the strong will survive and pass on those strong genes to future generations for natural disease resistance.
0: And we're we're sitting here talking about just the, the facts of this. It sounds very cold. You know, it people, does. Are, people are going to die. It does. You know, it yes. sounds cold. It's not, but that's the reality of the situation. We're talking genetics, we're talking viruses, and that's going to
1: It's still virus and the human animal. I see. And yeah. it, it, the, yeah. the biology hasn't changed, it's just a new player in, in that interaction between transmissible infectious diseases and the human condition. But again, this, this didn't come at the time of the Revolution. It was here in 1521 because it affected the Aztecs. Uh, it affected Montezuma. He got smallpox, exactly. and that was from the Spanish. And uh, in, in 1532, it spread to the Incas, and that was uh, Pizarro. So it, it's, it's been on this continent or on this, this part of the New World for a, it was here for a long time. So by the time of the revolution, when the re- revolution began, it, it was already established. It was well-established as a disease. And the treatment that you've described, where you just isolate people, was exactly what, what happened. Because no one, no one understood what it is. Today we can say, oh yes, it's a bacteria, it's a virus. And you think people know what that means, except they still insist on taking antibiotics for a virus, which, is, which does you no good. Because an, an antibiotic is used for bacterial or fungal or other forms of disease, but a virus doesn't care if you're on an antibiotic or not, because that's not—you—you you, you don't use fly spray on roaches because they're designed differently. Okay. And what might affect one animal doesn't affect another animal, and it's the same thing for viruses and bacteria. That it's, it's—it's a different—it's a different ball game for treatment and for prevention.
0: Uh, The question I would have, if it's been around a thousand years before Christ, and we're talking about the 18th century at this point being the biggest battle of the 18th century, and we have thousands of years where it has been part of the human history, part of the human existence, why did humans not become inoculated against it? Just in the fact that it's been around for so long.
1: Because it would, it would why, the, why they didn't become resistant to it? Correct. Well, they did. If you're a European, you had a natural resistance because you've, your your progenitors have seen thousands of years of smallpox. So there was a natural resistance, which is why it was, even the variola major is maybe 20 to 40% mortality. Still, most people survived. Right. But if you put the smallpox into an environment where your genetics have not ever seen this disease or you've seen it thousands of years ago and then those genetics were washed out, then you ended up with a 90 to 95 percent mortality that the Native Americans suffered. Okay. So there, there, there is an evolution. I mean, we will, we will always evolve. We are continually to evolve. So there always is that evolutionary standard, but for a brand new novel appearance of a disease, it's going to hurt a lot more than other ones, which is what we're finding in COVID-19.
0: That's interesting. Okay.
1: So when we look at the 18th century, the biggest battle, and I don't think, I don't know if we're going to get to it in this episode, but certainly we can do another episode on that, was the work of the pioneering work of William Jenner. And he, he was a physician in England who figured out without having the scientific knowledge we do today what exactly is smallpox what how to prevent it now from his perspective you've got to understand we didn't know about virus particles they didn't know about bacteria as causing disease in the 18th century a lot of it was attributed to god's punishment which really isn't much different you can remember when the aids epidemic hit you had certain people that felt this was God's punishment on an evil world. Well, mm-hmm. that's been going on for hundreds of years. And it's so easy to say, well, if you don't understand what's, what's going on with something, let's just blame it on God's will, that God is raining down some evil disease to extinguish whatever your political religious objectives are. You can, you can ascribe God's actions to that. Um, but god really doesn't have anything to do with uh, throwing disease on people it's just part of the human condition
0: so what are the things that stand out about smallpox Uh, if i'm sitting in a room of a hundred people and you said in the iroquois 90 to 95 percent of that hundred people would die of smallpox well how would i know that the person next to me has smallpox well and be able to mitigate that for myself and my family
1: well for for smallpox there are certain signs and symptoms first of all it's a uh, flu-like symptoms hey have you heard that one recently uh, high fever fatigue severe head or backache joint muscle pain doesn't this just sound like the flu It
0: does.
1: it's because it's a virus and this is how virus manifests themselves uh, Joint muscle pain, abdominal pain, you can have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Now, didn't we just hear that COVID-19, oh, it has GI symptoms too? Well, yeah, because it's a virus. This is, this is not news. This is just what has always been with viruses in humans. So You can have delirium from the high fever. Multiple organ inflammation. Oh, we've read about COVID-19 causing what? Multiple organ inflammation. Wow, it's the same kind of thing. It's just a viral infection. Skin eruptions. Chicken pox like skin rash. And it's transmitted the same way. Droplets via the lungs, which is the bad way to get it. And then also from contaminated clothing, bedclothes, how long does COVID-19 last on your mail? How many people are putting their mail outside? And I'm not saying this is necessarily a bad thing, but again, it's all an exaggerated response to what has been going on for hundreds of years with known viruses like smallpox so there's nothing new under the sun. The only thing is we have a new virus on the scene, and it's wreaking the same type of havoc on humans because of how humans interact with viruses in the real world. So it's really not much different at all. So if somebody erupted in skin lesions, which you'd spot and you could see that will eventually scar and cause pock marks, then that's smallpox. But by then, they might have already been transmitting that virus it just wasn't manifested in their skin, so you could see it. Does that sound familiar? You can get COVID-19 from somebody who's in the same room as you and looks perfectly fine and says, "I feel fine. I feel great. There's nothing wrong with me," and yet be- they become the super spreader of this viral disease because you can't tell, unless unless you have the overt manifestations of the of the of the skin infection, which is going to leave scarring. So this was not. That was, this was not skin infections of a small nature. When you see photographs of smallpox victims, uh, it's the kind of thing you would cross the street from because you would not want to walk by them in their path.
0: I see.
1: But it's no different than any other virus then or now today.
0: I'm just imagining some of our listeners will listen to this and just be freaked out. Well, but it, it, there's <laughs> Much no... like the people who, who, who recognize... Uh, bacteria and stuff under the microscope and realized that it was everywhere and then they just got freaked out about it. You know?
1: I, I imagine smallpox has done more than freak out a bunch of people. It's killed a lot of them. Killed a lot and of COVID population. will kill you too if, 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 if the circumstances are correct for the virus and not good for the human. But I think next time, I think we've just about run out of time, but I think next time maybe we can talk about smallpox in the 18th century and how, how it, it came to be that the biggest battle of the 18th century, which is the eradication or the mitigation of smallpox, came to be in the 18th century here in the colonies.
0: Sounds good. Thank you.